Happy days, everyone. It's Michelle here with the Just Michelle Talking Podcast. Wouldn't be anybody else but me, really. I wanted to just say quickly before I start today's episode that I got such beautiful feedback from so many of you, my friends, my work colleagues, ex-students, all kinds of people who have been listening to the first couple of episodes, and that's really encouraged me to go on. And overwhelmingly, the feedback I got was that it feels like I'm sitting there and chatting to you while you are on your walk, while you are working in your kitchen while you are, I don't know, looking after your kids, whatever you're doing. And that to me is exactly what I intended with this. I really wanted it to feel like it was just a conversation between me and you where we get to know each other, we hang out and hopefully I provide a little bit of wisdom, a little bit of comfort, and a few laughs along the way. Although I'm sure there will also be tears. For people who know me in real life, I am super cryy. I don't think cryy is a word, by the way, but it is now. So I'm really happy to hear that you guys are enjoying it, and it really encourages me to keep going and share things. I wasn't sure where this podcast is going to go. Still not sure where this podcast is going to go, but if all it does is provide you with a warm, loving, comforting voice, then I'm happy for that to be its purpose uh, for now. Maybe that'll be its purpose forever. I don't know. So today's episode, I wanted to talk about something which is very, very dear to my heart. And it's a topic that I actually talk about a lot when I'm teaching. So for those of you who aren't aware, I also teach small business owners how to run a small business, particularly in the sweet food industry. And overwhelmingly, the people that I speak to in that environment are women. And the question that I get a lot is, Michelle, how am I meant to do all of this at one time? How am I meant to run a business, look after my family, take care of my pets, children, adults, parents, whatever it is I'm doing, and also probably have another job? And so that question I get is always about how do I achieve work-life balance? And I want to just come right out of the gate and say that I actually don't believe in work-life balance. I don't think it exists. I think it's utter, utter rubbish. I think it's a bizarre social construct that was created by women to make other women feel kind of crappy about themselves. I just, I don't get it. Like, I I really don't get it. I don't think you will ever pick up a men's magazine or a men's publication or read on a men's website when there's an article about achieving work-life balance. It's not a thing for dudes. So I don't understand why it's a thing for women. And one of the reasons why I think it's a rubbish construct is because there's only so many hours in the day and not that long ago in our collective history, you know, women's main role was looking after children and that was considered a full-time job. So if that was considered a full-time job, how did we then add in, you know, paid work outside of the home? And that's what another full-time job. And then we add, you know, side gigs or whatever it is. And that's another job. I mean, I'm not exactly sure when time stretched far enough in order for us to feel like it was either achievable or a good thing to fit all these things in our lives equally. So I'm very anti the concept of work-life balance. I just think it's just terrible and it's just designed to make us feel crappy. And when you think about something being in balance, right? You can think about a yogi on their yogi mat. You can think about like those old fashioned scales where you put the like heavy weights on each side. You can think about your actual body weight, right? When you think about something being in balance, 
getting it there is often not that hard, right? You know, you, you put another weight on the end, the, the yogi stands a little bit to the left, whatever, right? Getting it there isn't that challenging. But the challenge becomes keeping it there. Inevitably, even the yogi falls over. Inevitably, you know, somebody walks past those old-fashioned scales or there's a gust of wind or somebody slams a door and they fall out of balance again. You know, balance is not something that's all that easy to keep going. And so the fallacy here becomes that for those of us who work really hard to achieve that, well, how long do you keep it there? And the amount of energy and effort that you're expending to keep it there is just more than personally I want to expend. I just think it's, it's ridiculous. So in thinking about that concept of work-life balance, I sort of felt like I needed to replace that with something or at least think about if I don't achieve that and I don't even try to achieve that, and that's just stupid, then what is it in my life that I do to make sure I have a good life or a life that I'm proud of leading? Now, this doesn't mean that I don't have problems. This doesn't mean that I don't, you know, occasionally wish I got things a little bit more right by whoever standard of right that is, my own or somebody else's. It just means that I always want to live a life that I feel is one of meaning and one of quality to my own standards. And in thinking about this, I realized that there are basically four things that I practice in my life every day, or I think about in my life every day, or I emulate in my life every day. And those four things to me are of much, much more value than this concept of work-life balance. So for today, I wanted to share with you the four things that work in my life to ensure that I'm living a life that I'm proud of and a, and a life that I'm happy to lead. Now, I should also say that I am an imperfect human, which means that I try to do these things every day, but sometimes instead I eat cereal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Sometimes I say mean things or I feel mean feelings about myself or I have mean thoughts or judgy thoughts about other people. And the second thing before I launch into this is that I, I don't want it to get terribly preachy and I need you to be aware and something I'm very aware of is just how privileged I am. I don't think that people who are truly suffering can necessarily put these into their lives as easily as I can. So these things are easy for me to adopt in my life because I come from a position of privilege. Now, privilege doesn't mean wealthy in this case. I mean, I'm basically living in a first world country. I can afford to live in a house with running water. And generally speaking, people that I know and love have their health and their wits about them. So I'm aware that these things come from a space of privilege. So with all those caveats in place, let me tell you about the four things that I use to live a happy and content uh, and pretty great life. So the first one of those things is, so let me just preview this here, that the four things we're going to talk about here are acceptance, forgiveness, gratitude, and perspective. And I think all of those words get bandied about in kind of really wanky ways, but I'm going to talk about them in Michelle ways. So the first one of these is acceptance. So very early on, I learned that I had to accept that things were never going to be perfect. Things were not always going to go my way. Things were not always going to happen the way I wanted them to. People were not always going to run their lives the way I wanted them to. Acceptance is probably the hardest of all four of these. So I'll give you kind of a funny example. I used to dream about winning the lottery, right? And I'd go, oh my God, if I won a million dollars, like what would I do with that money? And I used to think about, okay, I would give like this much to my sister. I'd give like this much to my best friend. I'd give like this much to some charity or something. 
But in my head, I always had like rules. Like I'd give this much to my best friend, but only if she uses it on whatever. She can't use it on shoes or something. And I had all these like rules and it's kind of lame when you think about it. Like here, take all this money, but I need to direct what you do with it. It's a ridiculous concept, right? But when you reach acceptance, this is a really silly example, but the acceptance is going, I gift you this money to do with it what you want. It's about the gift. It's not about how you use it. And I accept that you're going to use it in a way that you think is important for your life. So I realize that sounds a bit of a ridiculous example, but acceptance to me is about removing conditions from the way other people behave. It's removing from con conditions from the way you behave. And it's about accepting that you are in most situations in your life pretty powerless to do anything about it. I think in the current pandemic situation, never is this more true. You simply have to accept that there is some portion of the population who are not washing their hands, who are not wearing masks, who are not doing the right thing. And that's a horrible realization because it's annoying as hell. But ultimately, acceptance leads to freedom, emotional freedom, mental freedom, lots of things. And when it came to my own life, what I mean by acceptance is when you um, kind of realize that you have failings, you accept those failings. So I accept that I will never live in a household which is 100% tidy all the time you know what, I'm a crap house cleaner, let's be honest. So while we're not living in squalor by any means, I accepted that if I was going to be the one doing the house cleaning, it wasn't going to be a good thing. I accept that no matter how hard I try, I will never have the body of a supermodel without extreme sacrifice I am not willing to make. I accept that the people I love are also imperfect and they are going to annoy the living life out of me on multiple occasions. I accept that people will not take my advice, even though I know it's good and solid advice, including this podcast. I accept that sometimes people have limitations, no matter how much I want them to have different limitations or no limitations. One of the things that's really hard about acceptance, for me in particular, but possibly also for you, is accepting that how desperately we want somebody else to change, it's not going to happen. And I think particularly women, but all humans, really want the best for other people and really want other people to act a certain way. You know, if only you would this, then I would that. If only you would behave this way, then I would feel better about this. And acceptance is about kind of going, you know what, I can, I can push this forever, but until they come to a place where they want to do it themselves, that's not going to work. And one of the places I can tell you that's true is in weight loss and, and body image and fitness. That's one of those things that as somebody who's been obese pretty much her whole life until fairly recent in adulthood, I can tell you that no matter how much my mom told me, I'd be so beautiful if only I lost 10 pounds, more like 100, but anyway, thanks mom for being diplomatic. And how much people said to me like, you know, you'd be so amazing if only you this and whatever, the acceptance they needed to have was that I was who I was and that I was going to change that when I was ready. They needed to accept that no amount of nudging me, annoying me, dropping not so subtle hints was going to make me come to that place and that decision until I was ready for it. So acceptance is a really, really hard one. And I will tell you that this also applies in relationships. And I'm a little bit 
hesitant to share this because I know apparently my kids now listen to this podcast and also many of you who are close real life friends of mine. But for many, many, many years, I tried desperately to make my marriage work for various reasons and I won't go into loads of details. But the day that I made that final decision to move on was actually when my therapist sat me down and she's not very directive generally. She's all about talk therapy. So it was rare for her to kind of give me an order, so to speak. But she said to me, Michelle, you have now reached the point in this relationship where this is not going to change. So you have two choices here. You accept that this situation is what it is and you are now powerless to do anything else because you've spent years trying and it's not working or you choose to accept the fact that it's time to move on. So in that case, she gave me two versions of acceptance. It was a matter of which one I wanted to take. So acceptance is a really, really hard one, but I cannot tell you the number of times I finally let go of the need to try to change things and accepted that this is the way it is and it made a huge difference to my life. It's the little things and it's the big things. I accept that my house is a mess. I accept that my children are not going to be dressed beautifully all day long. I accept that I will never look like a supermodel even if I may have the height for it, right? I just can't. So instead of fighting so hard against the tide of the things uh, that I have no control over, I accept that these things are true. From a business point of view, I accept that I'm not for everybody. I accept that not everybody will take my quote. I accept that my product might not appeal to everybody, etc. Acceptance is probably the most powerful thing you can gift yourself in terms of your emotional arsenal. Now, by the way, acceptance doesn't mean like you roll over and take stuff. It means you recognize the point at which you can no longer change the situation and you accept that fighting against the tide is just not worth your energy. The second thing that I use in my kind of toolbox of stuff that makes my life pretty great is forgiveness. So acceptance and forgiveness kind of go hand in hand in a way. So what I mean when I say forgiveness is I forgive myself for being imperfect. Now, this is coming from somebody who is a super mega overachiever. I'm not happy unless I can cross a million things off the list by the end of the day. If somebody says to me, Michelle, we need to do 50 of these today. I'm not happy till I've done 55 and possibly 65. I'm somebody who constantly pushes herself and drives herself to move forward. And forgiveness is about, for me, forgiving myself for the times when I can't do that. And there could be lots of reasons why I can't do that, right? So I forgive myself for making mistakes. I forgive myself for the fact that sometimes I'm not going to do things the right way. I forgive myself for opening my mouth and inserting my foot, which around here is like a daily occurrence. I forgive myself for all the things I wish I had done, but I didn't do, right? I didn't learn how to crochet. I didn't learn how to knit. I have like a lot of failed craft projects hanging around and I just forgive myself. And the second, which is again, a difficult thing. And the second part of forgiveness is understanding that the people who truly matter and the people who are truly important are also going to forgive you. So, In a way, this fits along with the acceptance thing because, you know, I accept that I'm going to do the wrong thing. I forgive myself for doing the wrong thing. And I also live my life assuming that the people who I have put in my life will forgive me for those mistakes, will forgive me for my shortcomings. There, I have a real um, thing about owning up when you make a mistake 
But the reason I feel able to own up to my mistakes is because I believe the people around me will forgive me. And if they're not the kind of people who believe in forgiveness, then I probably don't want them in my life. Now, that isn't to say that they're going to forgive me immediately, right? They might be pissy for a while. They might be angry for a while. They might tell me off. They might all kinds of things. But ultimately, people of quality are people who believe in forgiveness. I think I remember, oh, it was probably Oprah. Let's be real here. She says everything important, saying that forgiveness is about setting yourself free. And, and when you forgive somebody else, you are setting yourself free. And to be honest, I actually have a really hard time with that because I forgiveness is not hard. When Sorry, not easy sorry, when somebody has wronged you or done something hideous and I have got friends or family members who I no longer have in my life because I simply couldn't find a place to forgive them. And so there it becomes about, I forgive myself for the fact that I'm choosing to let that person go rather than forgive them for what they've done. You know, there's also that thing about, you know, I forgive you, but I haven't forgotten it. And to me, that's also not, not true forgiveness. So when I say forgiveness, it's about I guess giving yourself the space to be imperfect, giving yourself the space to not get it right all the time, and also giving your space to understand that there are people around you for whom if you tell the truth and if you own up, they will also forgive you in return. So forgiveness is a really powerful one, but also not necessarily an easy one to, to get around. The third thing that I live my life, and this is truly an everyday occurrence for me, I'm going to let you into my, my secret world. Oh, that sounds so exciting. It's not, not that exciting. The third one, which I realize is a word that's become, oh, let's just let's just start this, okay? So the third one is is gratitude. And that's something that I think people bandy about a lot at the moment. It's become like hashtag gratitude, hashtag blessed. It's a bit yuck. It feels a bit yuck, which is terrible because it's very much not yuck. I kind of don't get why that word has become a little... I don't know. Like, I feel like there's just people out there who don't like it anymore, but I, I really love it. And I wanted to explain the, the way that I keep gratitude in my life. So to me, gratitude does not mean not feeling shitty about things. To me, gratitude does not mean not having a bad day. To me, gratitude is not sitting in your bedroom at night and like writing a list of five things, but it, it, that you're grateful for. If that's your thing, you know, by all means go for it. To me, gratitude is about the bittersweetness of life. So let me explain that for a minute. One of the things I have tried to teach my children is that emotions don't exist in a vacuum and emotions come on a spectrum and emotions are things that you can feel several, sometimes in the same like two seconds, right? So you can feel grateful for something and upset about it at the same time. You can feel grateful for something and sad about it at the same time. My kids probably are a perfect example here. They're growing up, they're moving on, their lives are becoming bigger than anything I can control for sure. And I feel enormous gratitude that I have raised three amazing human beings. And I feel enormous sadness that their lives, their lives are, mo are moving on without me. And they, not that I'm like dying tomorrow or anything, but you know, they are going to come to a point where they are independent beings and don't need me from a day-to-day -day point of view. I'm hugely grateful for that, but I'm also hugely sad about it. And so for me, gratitude is about absolutely being thankful for what you have, being aware of what you have, being aware of your privilege, being aware of, you know, 
what you've got. And it's also a way for me, it's a really good mechanism of getting out of a crappy mood. It doesn't necessarily make the crappy mood disappear, but it can often make the crappy mood have a bit less of a hold on my thoughts and my feelings at the time. So in terms of the secret world of Michelle, how, what I do is I lay in bed every single night. I don't actually think I've ever told anybody this publicly, but let's just go for it. I lay in bed every single night and uh, I'm, I'm a bit crap at writing things down in the night. This doesn't happen for me. I have terrible handwriting, but also it's just not a thing. And in the moments before I fall asleep, and one of the ways I often get myself to fall asleep is in my head, I have a conversation with the universe. So in my head, I'm literally like, Hey universe, just want to say thanks heaps for a great day or Hey universe, I'd really appreciate it if you could take care of this thing or that person or whatever. And I have, this is making me sound psycho, but let's just roll with this. I have a conversation in my head where it is a conversation. It's not a list. It's not a whatever. And you know, you could talk to the universe. You could talk to a passed away parent. You could talk to yourself if you want to, but having those few quiet moments in my head where I just think, hey, thanks for giving me a great day. Or you know what? That thing was really awesome. Or I feel so, so, so grateful that, you know, my coffee was in stock or I got to breathe again today or today was a pain-free day or whatever your thing is. But I find that when I finish my day with that conversation in my head, expressing gratitude for what happened, it's also a really good way for me to almost turn my brain off. It's like my brain gets the signal to go like, okay, this is the closure of the day. This is when we, we assess, we quickly just look over the day and we think about all the good stuff because I don't know about you, but I'd rather go to bed with a smile on my face and it often works. Now I will tell you <laughs> true confession time I have a total monkey mind. My brain goes at a thousand miles an hour. So quite often I will be laying in bed in those moments before I fall asleep and I'll be like, hey universe, I just wanted to say, you know, I really had a good day today and I'm really, really grateful for it. And thank you for my job and thank you for my good health and thank you for the fact that today was just a really good day. Oh my God, I should remember to put like toilet paper on the shopping list oh my God, how am I going to remember that? I need to write that down. Oh yeah. Oh, I've got a call. So-and-so. Oh my God. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to remember to do that. Okay, cool. Oh my God. I'm so cold. Maybe I should grab another blanket. Oh, now I need to pee. Should I get up and pee? I don't know. You know, there's that whole thing where like, if you get up, then you like out of the warm bed, but if you don't get up, and then you like lay there and then you can't sleep because you need to pee. And then you get like preoccupied with the whole thing that you need to pee. Should I get up? Should I knock it up? When really it's just easier to get up. Oh my God. Oh my God. Universe. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 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 Got distracted. Sorry. 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 Anyway. So as I was saying, I'm super grateful for my kids. <laughs> super grateful for the, oh man, I meant to do that thing at work today. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to get up in the morning and I'm just going to remember it. Mental note, Michelle, you need to do that thing at work. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Oh God, I really should pee, shouldn't I? Oh man. I don't want to. It's warm in my bed. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, I did it again. Oh my God. Universe. So sorry. So sorry. So sorry. Anyway, as I was saying, as I was saying, I'm super, super grateful for my job and I'm super, super grateful for the people who listen to my podcast and I'm <laughs> you get the idea. So again, not perfect by any means, but I find that that exercise of laying in bed as I sleep 
and just taking a couple of minutes to catalog the things that happened that day or the things I'm looking forward to that week. And let me give you one extra little tip on that whole talking to yourself in your head in the middle of the night thing. One of the things I do, which I feel is quite powerful in my life, you might find this weird, but that's okay. This isn't your podcast is that I think the universe and I express gratitude for things that I want to happen. So it's kind of like expressing gratitude in advance, you know, Hey, thanks for making sure that I get that raise. Hey, thanks for, you know, making sure that my kids stay healthy, whatever. I express gratitude for things that haven't happened yet because I think there's something kind of nice in that. It's like saying, Hey, I expect this thing to happen and I'm going to live my life as though that thing is happening. So thanks for that. So gratitude is a hugely powerful force in my life and I use it every day imperfectly, but I use it every day. But by no means does that mean that I don't get upset or frustrated or hurt or worried or sad about things because that happens too. You can be both grateful and sad. You can be both grateful and frustrated. You can be grateful and annoyed. You can be grateful and upset. You can be grateful plus insert emotion here. It's totally okay. The last part of the four things I was talking about. So we've got our acceptance, we've got our forgiveness, we've got our gratitude, and the last one is perspective. And I wanted to share a little story with you guys about my dad. So my dad is no longer alive, but he played an enormous part in my life. He was a huge personality, far bigger than me, which is like, I know, hard to believe. But he was an incredible, incredible guy. Again, he was not perfect by any means. I I accepted my dad had a lot of faults. I forgive him for those faults. And I'm grateful that he was in my life for as long as he was in my life, which sadly was really not long enough. But my dad was known for having a very (laughs) kind of like wisdom that sort of irritated you, but then always turned out to be true in the end. So I wanted to share a little story about perspective and my dad's wisdom. So for those of you who are not familiar with the Jewish faith, when you get married, you get married under a thing called a chuppah. And it's like a piece of fabric that's held up by four sticks. There's like four corners of the fabric. Imagine a square, square-ish piece of fabric and there's a stick and people are holding the sticks. And at the top of the stick, there's this fabric. It's like a canopy, I guess. A chuppah. And when Jewish people get married, they stand on this chuppah. So I recall I called my dad when my babies were little. And I can't remember now what I called him about. It might have been, you know, somebody was walking late or somebody was using a pacifier or, I don't know, somebody was pooping in their pants. I don't know. Something about my kids. And I was, you know, complaining to my dad or worrying to him about my kids and saying like, I'm really worried that they still, I'm going to use the pacifier example. Um, My kids didn't have it for very long, but I'll just use that. And, you know, saying like, I'm really worried that, you know, they're, they're got a pacifier and like, I can't get rid of it. And it's just, I don't know what to do. And I was really worrying about this thing. And my father said to me, you know, Michelle Zisi, which was his nickname for me, you know, Michelle Zisi, your kids are not going to stand under the chuppah with a pacifier in their mouth. (laughs) Which at the time was the most irritating parenting advice anybody has ever given me. Because whatever that problem was, I was genuinely worried about it. I was genuinely upset about it. And that worry felt like a big worry. But for many years afterwards, as long as I had him, he used to give me the same freaking advice, no matter what I complained about, about my children. 
you know, Michelega, they're not going to stand under the chuppah holding on to a teddy bear. You know, Michelega, they're not going to stand under the chuppah sucking their thumb. You know, Michelega, you know, like it just went on and on and all like that. You know, he'd be like, Michelle Zizi, remember the chuppah. <laughs> so at the time, it was extremely annoying advice. And at the time, I'd be like, Dad, do you not have any like better advice than this? This is just super annoying. But that was the advice he always had. They're not going to stand under the chuppah, you know, calling for their mommy or whatever. Although maybe, maybe they might. I don't know. But he had this, this piece of advice. And it took many, many, many years and my kids growing up for me to realize that the advice he was giving me really had nothing to do with that, that child and that worry and had everything to do with maintaining perspective. It was all about perspective. And it reminded me, his death actually really is what brought this one home for me, that we spend a lot of time stressing and worrying and freaking out and talking and whatever about stuff that it's not that it's not important because in that moment it's important. It's that it's not important in the bigger picture of things. It's not important in the long-term aspects of our lives. Now, is it important right then? Sure. Does it need to be dealt with right then? Sure. But often the amount of worry, time, and effort that we put into that thing is completely disproportionate to what that thing actually is. It's easily solvable if we simply put the layer of time over it that it needs. And I've read since then kind of versions of this where people say, you know, that thing that you're worrying about, is it going to matter in five years? If you can't imagine it mattering in five years, then maybe it shouldn't matter now. Now, I don't 100% subscribe to that because I think that if it's worrying you now, it needs a solution now or it needs some resolution now. But the perspective piece for me is about the amount of energy and time and effort that I put into something that doesn't deserve it. This is really true in business where people spend six months not starting their business because they can't come up with a catchy name or they spend a year freaking out over the color pink in their logo or whatever. It's in business is a big thing. Perspective is a big thing, but also in life in so many things, you know, is this going to matter in the long term? And I will say that (laughs) I've adopted my dad's advice for a lot of things. So when I start to worry about something totally unrelated to my children, I'll be like, yeah, is this business going to stand under the chuppah and still not have a logo (laughs) or whatever? And it's really, really good advice to use. And it's taught me perspective so very much. And I think probably people who work in aged care, people who spend a lot of time around the elderly or whatever, realize that, you know, the version of this for them is don't sweat the small stuff, whatever. For me, it's not about sweating the small stuff because sometimes you need to sweat the small stuff. It's about giving those things you know, give the small stuff, small stuff energy and give the big stuff, big stuff energy. And that's what I mean when I say perspective. So those are the four things that I spend my life thinking about and and trying to emulate. And I find them difficult. I don't find them easy. For me, gratitude is probably the easiest one. And perspective is second, whereas acceptance and forgiveness are a whole lot harder. But like all people, I'm a work in progress and I just try to remind myself of those things. And sometimes I need to remind myself of those things a lot. And other times it comes a little bit easier. But over time, I've learned that those things, acceptance, forgiveness, 
gratitude and perspective are what I need in my life a whole lot more than I need work-life balance. Work-life balance is rubbish. I really don't think it's necessary in my life or in yours. So I swap those out for these four things. I accept that sometimes I'm going to spend too much time working and not enough time being a friend, a daughter, or a parent. I forgive myself for the fact that I might have made the wrong decision to spend too much time at work instead of with those people. I'm grateful that I have both a job that I can work at that I love and friends and family who love me, even though I feel somewhat guilty about ignoring one, the other, or both of those. And I have the perspective to know that in the long term, it's not going to be about whether or not I work too late one night. It's going to be about whether I work too late every night. You can apply these four things to pretty much anything in your life that needs a little bit of thinking time. So I give you those four ideas as a gift. You might have heard them from other people, but these are the way that I use them, and I hope that you find that useful. Maybe not all of them, but just one of them, and I hope they make you think about things in a different way. And as I close off today's podcast, I wanted to share with you that I got a beautiful text from a friend who said that she thinks my sign-off for this podcast should be let's look after each other. So I'm going to sign off today by saying, whether you use all of those things or one of those things, let's remember to look after ourselves and also let's look after each other. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate and love you all. And I'm very, very grateful.